Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Cosmic Soup, a pre-recording to air on February 7th, 2024. I'm Nancy Hopkins, and Mark Joseph will join me after we play an interview with Celeste Salome and Robert Duncan. The title of the Rumble video is Exotic, Novel, and Emerging Technologies of the 21st Century. The video runs for an hour and 15 minutes, so let's just get to it, and thank you for listening. Hi, this is Celeste with the Celeste Report, and today I have Robert Duncan, who is the author of Project Soulcatcher, and I am very honored to have him as a guest. Let's bring Robert on. Hello, Hi. Celeste. How are Hi, you? Hi, Robert. I've been looking forward to this uh, interview for so long because it's not, I did not know about your book. And I did this whole webinar, I think it was a year or two years ago, on uh, the same concepts, maybe a little different perspective, on Soul Catcher. And I named it Soul Catcher. And, uh, but it was dealing with the technology and what they were doing, very similar to yours. And then I find out about your book and um, trying to find you was not an easy task. But I'm very thankful that I have a good team and we did. And so we warmly welcome you. And why don't you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been in, I'd say, an activist uh, trying to alert the public about the dangers of this technology, how it's being used on the public uh, and secret on the most part. It's kind of a, a secret in plain view. Um, and uh, for about two decades, I've been doing this, uh, going on radio shows, TV shows, and talking about the technology. Uh, I worked uh, for on um, projects for DARPA, the Navy, uh, the Army, uh, CIA, uh, the Department of Justice, a, a lot of the agencies in my early career. Um, uh, some of the technology is very relevant to the, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, some of them just fun projects. For example, I wrote the artificial intelligence code to track the Soviet nuclear submarine fleet. Uh, it was a big project I was proud of. And uh, um, so I, I research mostly um, of where the technology is headed of uh, what the human race needs to discuss now uh, before it's too late or if it's too late. Uh, and um, I write books and, and do lectures uh, uh, while trying to maintain a, a life that's worth living. Um, and that, that's sort of my background. So does the average person need to be concerned about this uh, or is it something in your perspective, you know, being an expert in this field, should people have like a working understanding about it? Do they need to 
uh, study it a little bit? Or is this something people should dive in and and really oppose? Yeah, see, and that's a, that's a great question because uh, on the one hand, it's gone so far that it would horrify most people if they understood the entirety of it. Uh, and maybe they'd have trouble sleeping at, at night. So it's kind of at, like asking someone, do you want to know there are nuclear weapons and they could destroy the entire race at any moment? Or are you going to lose sleep over it? Or would you prefer not to think about it and not worry about it? And that, I guess that becomes a personal question for the individual. But I believe, you know, in, in truth, in reality, as best as we can model it and understand it, that that then gives us legitimacy to vote and to tell our politicians and our leaders what we think they ought to do with our with our two cents. Um, and if you don't dive in, you don't know these things exist, the world's not going to make as much sense to you. It's just going to happen, and you're going to call them random events when this is a grand plan. This is a... This is something that's been worked on and for and towards as a goal, uh, a new world order, a united world, uh, um, you know, as the very large picture. Uh, and in um, partly, it's all connected. Uh, if we didn't have nuclear war, war or viral warfare or something that can destroy our species, we wouldn't need to gain control of every human on earth uh, because there wouldn't be um, terrorists uh, that might uh, destroy large numbers of people. Uh, so in my, to answer your question, I guess in a long-winded way, um, I believe everyone should at least be aware that this exists. And if it happens to them, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of uh, re uh, ability to stop it uh, thus far because of the lack of awareness in the public and in the po political sectors. Uh, and it's, it's like it's, you can outlaw nuclear weapons, but that doesn't stop them from working. Um, and, you know, a bomb shelter, is that the best you can do? Uh, so this weapon we're talking about, we're going to talk about neurological weapons, weapons of information, perception, uh, and how that shapes society and, and our minds um, in our direction in which we, we move as uh, an overall government or culture uh, and as a species. Um, so yes, I think everyone should learn about it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think one of the biggest reasons that everybody should know about it, even if it makes you toss and turn for a few nights is because if it happens to you, then you don't have the fear factor. You, you can recognize it for what it is. And, and that's, that's the exact point. That's why I do speak out about it is while I may not be able to stop it. Like here's a pill you take, here's a button you press, here's a bribe you give to some politician or no, you can't stop it that way. But you can remain calm and know you're not alone 
and that this has been going on for a while and uh, and what to expect. And it's the unexpected that causes the fear. But if you educate yourself when it happens, um, you, you're less fearful and then it has less power over you. And I, I think for people that are hit with, that are called, referred to as TIs, targeted individuals, there are like support groups these days. In the beginning, there weren't, you know, it was randomized people and people were not networking together. But with the advent of social media and things, these, you know, TIs are able, although they can't stop the attacks, they can compare methods that work for them with other people, as well as um, there is some degree of comfort in knowing that you're not alone. So you can talk to other people and and just, you know, have a shoulder to cry on if you need that shoulder um, as this un this unfortunate technology, you know, rolls out. So how how close do you think we are or they are to the one world order or whatever you call it? Yeah. And see, it's uh, we're in the middle of a. Uh... World War Three right now. You know, yes. a lot of people say it hasn't started. No, it's it's started. It's been going on. It's just if you don't see blood and bombs necessarily on your on your hypno tube, the television, then it's not real to the average person. But this is a war of will, of uh, of culture, of history, of meaning, of purpose, and which which cultures are going to survive and thrive and which ones aren't and uh um and so it's uh, it's it's it falls in the definition of every war and the deaths are kind of silent and indirect uh so you don't hear you don't see the screaming and the the burning the bodies burning and so the humans we tend not to uh empathize as strongly to the suffering if we don't see the, the the blood and the cuts and the bullets flying. Uh, and so it's it, it's a silent war. And it's invisible as it's well. Invisible. Yeah. And, and, you know, like frequency, I, I was hit and I was given a heart attack. And, um, you know, nobody, uh, how do you distinguish that? How do, how did I even know? Because after I got out of the hospital, I found out that all the clocks in my house stopped at the same time that I, this frequency hit me and I dropped to the ground. And as I was dropping to the ground, I was calling 911. So I know that it was beyond me. And then I have had several other incidences that there were external confirmation that I had been hit. So, yeah. And that's right. Uh, to go back to your prior uh, question, should people learn about it? Well, there's another example, being able to distinguish an external influence versus we'll call natural uh, uh, heart attacks is one example. Uh, you you have to know uh, you're being hit in various ways and um, how to react appropriately. Uh, if you go run on the White House lawn naked with the sign, the aliens are here, you know, that's not going to get the kind of help you're looking for. Um, so, yeah, that that's, um, I'm glad you survived that attack. And, 
Um, it's very common. The CIA uh, in the 1970s, I think, released uh, one of their hard attack weapons that used the poison on the tip of an umbrella. Um, we're talking about frequencies actually altering the heart's pattern, uh, causing arrhythmias, causing it to weaken its pulses. Uh, they're, they're, they're very clever ways because we are electromagnetic systems ultimately. And so frequencies, these kinds of energies can uh, alter the thoughts, brain functions, uh, and heart and nervous system functions as well. The autonomic and sympathetic nervous systems, which are basically the subconscious systems that keep us alive, our blood pumping and everything uh, working together to keep the body alive. So there is like this uh, Air Force 1984, I think it's version four, dosimetry manual. And it, in there, it tells exactly, like, if you want to give somebody a heart attack, if you want to shut their kidneys down, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, and what frequency it is that impacts that. Now, that was back in 1984. So this is not anything new, uh, but the technologies moving forth just built on that. Yeah. So. And one of my gripes is a lot of these technologies, uh, just by keeping them secret, uh, are killing people because they could have been used for good uses in medicine. Um, so it's another indirect way of downsizing the human populations by keeping these secrets. Um, and that's that's frustrating. That's not at least the values I grew up in. I think most of us are pretty frustrated that know that there's things like free energy and this vast knowledge base for healing and yet it's kind of not it's not kind of happening uh, especially if you go into the medical pipeline you're more likely to just it will bury you in surgeries and medication and that type of thing so it's very dangerous to go into that pipeline I, I yeah that's uh it's funny you mentioned that uh, I personally see a lot of doctors and they prescribe drugs. And I finally told them, you know, listen, I'm not taking all these drugs. These all have side effects and they're going to kill me in a different way than I would have naturally have died. And um, so it is a pharmaceutical game. A lot of it, once you're in the system, you're, you go down a spiral um, and longevity has, isn't increasing in the United States. It's actually decreasing. So, Whatever we're doing is, isn't working. <laughs> well, I don't think it's the average person. I think it's the plan that has been implemented for the United States. And, you know, whether that comes from the United Nations as a mandate or it's our own uh, greed or maybe we did, you know, we had many prosperous times and we did not um, keep up our value system, so to speak. Our, our morals and our ethics, and we decided to go down a very dark path. I think really from World War II on, especially with Operation Paperclip, um, you know, people think that the Nazis that came over here were just in rockets, but they are not just in rockets. They're in like medicine and they're in the USDA, so they're in our food. 
Um, but again, yeah, and a lot of them were mind scientists, um, basically psychological warfare, how to manipulate politics. So, so what good is a democracy if everyone's mind is brainwashed? You're, it just gives them an illusion of choices, all it is. Um, and maybe, maybe that's all we have, too. That's a philosophical question. So what types of mind control or mind influencing weapons are out there? Well, they, they fall into a lot of different classifications or categories, but um, there, there's psychological warfare, which is a very broad term, uh, and that can be anything from dropping leaflets over an enemy's territory, surrender now, we're the good guys, nothing will happen to you. Uh, to more advanced stuff of actually altering the moods, patterns of uh, the brain of your target or group of people. You can make them feel fatigued, uh, for example, that'd be useful in war. Uh, you can pipe voices in their head, this is Allah, lay down your arms. Very believable because you can't stop it. It's not a sound vibration through the normal mechanism of a pressure wave in uh, the atmosphere. It uses a microwave hearing effect. Um, and uh, then there's hypnosis. You can put the brain under a hypnotic pattern with subliminal messaging. You can, uh, uh, we, we like to think our dreams don't affect us, but you, that's when our defenses are down. And, and uh, you can program someone in their dreams uh, emotionally how they feel about other other relationships in real life they have for example you can probe for their passwords um while they're down uh, you, um, uh, a lot of different types of persuasion can occur i i personally don't watch television i haven't watched television in a long time because every time i see it i just see propaganda and there was a law passed i think it was after world war ii that the u.s can't use propaganda on its own citizens and then it was reversed by the ndaa or the patriot act one of those and I, you know i don't know what to say about that we're not a free country and uh, i don't know what we stand for if we can use these weapons of perception uh against our own people um so those are some of the types of, uh, of uh, manipulation that we can do to the minds of individuals. It's a new battlefield. Um, and that's another reason people need to stay up on it. I know the part of the country I live in, uh, we like our guns and et cetera. And I, I kind of tease the population because they're they're veterans and and that's, that's what they were brought up in. Um, but uh, they're really fire sticks. They're, it's, they're, it's old technology, and that's not the way the new wars are, are being fought. You know, you can shoot a mile and a half away with your gun, but when you can be targeted anywhere, you know, let's just say lasers in space and cause forest fires anywhere, you're talking about many different aspects that we hadn't considered beforehand. And in fact, that's why we won World War II was incendiary bombing of the major cities, not due to the invention of the nuclear bomb that we dropped on Japan. But that's just a historical factoid. 
Um, can you explain a little bit that, what you wrote about in the book, um, Alice and Tammy? And those are acronyms. Yeah, Alice. Uh, it's it's funny if you do an internet search, uh, the the acronyms often don't come up. Uh, no, there's they don't. Many of them that uh, that uh, they've been buried through. Yes. For for obvious reasons, but Alice was just one of the first uh, chatbots, uh, artificial name for chatterbots. Now, if you combine that with remote neural monitoring, deciphering the audio, you can use these chatterbots, for example, uh, to drive a target mad, talking to someone or something. It's a computer program that's. Uh, very convincing that it's a real human being on the other side. And it says very negative things. Uh, MIT uh, created uh, Norman, which was uh, uh, trained off of all the evil things that people say on Reddit and uh, used to interact with a human. Now, if you know it's a computer, it's kind of funny. It can be so insulting. But if you believe it's an equal, you get very angry. How could this evil creature ever exist to this person? And, um, and so the Alice was, I guess, a predecessor, you could say, to the technology of driving targets to their death, marching them to their death, walking them verbally to their death, using some of these techniques of um, breaking down their ego, that's part of brainwashing, um, implanting subliminal messages. Uh, and it was done by Dr. Ewan Cameron in, in some research he did for the CIA of uh, two-track tapes uh, looping your your mother, hate you, your father, you know, and just to break down the ego. It's very much like a boot camp, except more severe in its, uh, in its um, verbal breakdown. And then you, you can add in tortures, you know, heart attacks, uh, pains all over the body, uh, seemingly uh, endless kinds of tortures, just replayed like MP3 files in the, in the mind, um, not leaving any lit lit ligature marks on the skin to prove to anybody that you've suffered the, all this pain. Um, and uh, it ends up being a, a perfect hell until the person snaps, breaks, like breaking a horse, until they will do what you want them to, or they find another way out, like suicide or mass murder or something like that. And I call those psycho bombs when they reach that stage of frustration of not getting any justice uh, uh, about these weapon systems. Um, do, you, do you think that's what chat GPT is now that they're really pushing this year? Like, you know, they've got ChatGPT, call us if you're lonely. Yeah, so that's the positive use. I, I call it the personal Jesus. You can train um, a loved one throughout their life. Uh, if they were monitored, uh, you can get all their speech patterns and everything. And then when they're dead, you can have a little box and uh, it talks to you back and forth, just like your partner or, or whoever loved one was um and uh it it will trick the brain somewhat uh that it's the real thing that's inside the box the person's personality has been captured and 
Um, and again, that's a philosophical debate that uh, people need to have. And what was the other acronym you asked me about? TAMI, Thought and Memory Interface? Yeah, and TAMI, that's uh, an, an acronym for the uh, more advanced methods of interrogation the NSA would use uh, uh, to interrogate a mind. Um, and the details, again, you can find a lot more of it, about it in, uh, in my book, but it's generally interfacing uh, how to stimulate old memories. And then now, then now we're getting into CIA and military interrogation tactics, stimulating them of uh, the or interrogators for uh, some piece of personal information about themselves but they usually use sleep deprivation in some other ways so that uh, short-term memory doesn't go into long-term memory. The, the target forgets they told them this personal information. Weeks later, it's brought back to the target. Uh, oh, we know a lot about you. We've been following you for a long time. For example, you know, they give you that information that, uh, previously that you had divulged that you forgot you divulged a couple of weeks ago. Uh, back to you and you're convinced they have this long file. They've been following you all your life. And um, and by using that tactic, then you divulge even more information. And it's a way of walking someone back through their history until they were a child uh, and getting all of their secrets and everything they feel shamed about getting blackmail. And again, that's typical um, uh, handler uh, target um relationships uh, that are used even in the cold war quite a bit but in more traditional blackmail type situations uh between you know in, in particular between the, the the russians and the us but um but now it's kind of global and can be used against anyone you know uh by our own government or or deep state or secret government or whatever you want to call the the syndicate so, well, so I got to talk about this one because I don't know if you saw that watch the news this morning um, on the World Economic Forum. Well, actually, it's Davos this week. Uh, you know, the, the rich men of the earth are got getting together for their plans for this year. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, and, but at the start of it, they had this woman doing a very much voodoo like there was the panel in a half circle. And of course the World Economic Forum or Davos pattern in the back with the logo. And she did this thing and she was, I, I can't remember, but it was like voodoo. And then she went and she, it was like in the four corners and then she would blew or she coughed into each of their faces. Do not, it's uh, you know, given, the mind of Klaus Schwab, what I know of him, he he's, I believe, an atheist and all in, 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 when it comes down to it, but he realizes humans need rituals to replace whatever he's taking away. And so this may be the new world religion he's trying to bring about, you know, coughing at people's faces with the voodoo chants. Um, 
and that will bring you power and good luck or something. I, I'm not sure. I, I, it's a, it's a weird group and they have a lot of influence and power over the world. Um, and I think it's a, it's like any secret society. It's an ego trip for those who belong to it, that they're, they're the players, they're the ones shaping the world. And, um, they can do no wrong. And unfortunately, that is not true. They're doing a lot of wrong. But they always kick off their events and even the Super Bowl. Super Bowl um, a lot of the, it doesn't have to be a global thing. It's it's worked its way down into our culture, unfortunately, um, that they start off like the CERN and that tunnel over there in Switzerland. That was a really Dark. Dark, really bizarre. Yeah. Well, this was—you've uh, got to check this clip. I mean, it's only like a minute and a half or something, but this was this one of the—I mean, other than I go one, two, and three. I mean, it's got it, but this—that's cartoon. This was like the strangest ritual, and but I don't watch Super Bowl or anything, so I wouldn't know about those. But I guess those are pretty intense. Um, there are people that are saying that they did a blood sacrifice last Super Bowl. So this year the Cowboys are going to win. I mean, I don't watch it, so I don't know. But supposedly a guy dropped on the field um, last year and they said that that was a sacrificial. Um, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I went to speak uh, and give testimony to um the uh, a bunch of senators in 2007, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, Judiciary Committee, and, and some others. I, I'm not really into politics because I, 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 I know it's all bull. <laughs> it's just a you know dog and pony show. Okay, so yeah, in 2007, I went uh, with Ted Gunderson. He was the head of the LA FBI or former head, and. Uh, his badge got us in to uh, speak to a lot of uh, in, important people at the time, and, uh, and it was in about it was about this. But his take was the satanic ritual abuse uh, stuff, child trafficking, and so we had kind of a multi-pronged approach. Mine was uh, the human mind trafficking, if you will, the t targeted individual uh, conundrum. Uh, and I thought, you know, I can make a difference here. I can bring this uh, awareness to the senator. Uh, and, you know, we went to the Senate Intelligence Committee and talked to those guys. And her statement was, um, so MKUltra never, you know, stopped as they were supposed to after the church hearings. And they all, they respond like, what is MKUltra? And Ted and I look at each other, uh-oh, this is going to, this conversation is not going to go anywhere. These are the people that are supposed to be watching over the intelligence communities uh, and make sure they don't overreach. And they have no clue what the, one of the biggest scandals was in American history. Uh, so it didn't end up going anywhere. They're very nice, but... It was just lip service, and they probably did know, and they have to play dumb, and you know. So, <laughs> um, so what is that you 
you talked about the psychological mind trafficking. Could you expand on yeah, that a little bit? Yeah. So we we tried to keep the messaging simple and more believable, and so we we talked about it through the classification of non-lethal weaponry. That is, there were somebody, most likely our government, was experimenting on average citizens uh, in the United States. And if we were talking to a senator from a specific state, we would have testimonies, written testimonies that we would bring up from their voter base um, that this was happening to them and the symptoms of non-lethal weapons. Now, we kind of kept it broad, and at that, if we we never got the opportunity to go into the really fine detail that we're allowed to talk about it today of uh, altering emotions and thoughts mid-sentences or forced speech and manipulating politicians if you wanted to while they were speaking. Uh, you know, I mean, how devious this gets. Uh, is is really amazing, and nothing is as it seems uh, once you know these technologies exist. Um, so they, we 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 talked at some point. We talked about tasers, and we said, you know, that's being misused by the police force. So we had to keep it at a very not low level, technically, of what was going on, um, because most uh, politicians are lawyers; they're not scientists, and um, so you can only talk about so much of, um, of what's happening now. Twenty fast forward twenty years later, it's all very believable. People see how fast the technology is changing, and if you know some of these technologies are sixty years in the making, uh, you can see how advanced they would be. Uh, there was a sixty-year head start. Um, it's not alien. A lot of people I know want to say this is too advanced. It's alien. No, we humans did it with help from AI, but we did it to ourselves. Um, and I know there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. It was published, I think, a couple days ago by an insider, or maybe it was Time Magazine, uh, that uh, basically had very negative outlook on what we have done, AI, even Elon Musk says he thinks it's too late to stop this, what I term cybernetic fusion of man and machine of, uh, into some higher order entity consciousness. Um, but it only needs us from its perspective as cheap biological computing power and energy. Um, it doesn't look at us uh, empathetically like, oh, we're pets, you know, like we do our pets. Oh, we got to take care of our dog. We got to take care of these humans. No, the AI does not think that way. That's not how it thinks. Um, so is it a problem? Uh, we'll, we'll get into uh, uh, I, you, you're researching new geometries like protein folding, using generative AI um, for some of these tests. And uh, very promising, again, it's that dual use for medicine. Wow, we're gonna be able to discover and cure all these things and design. Uh, it took AI one, one and a half minutes to come up with the deadliest 
uh, nerve gas compound uh, that we used in World War One, and so it's, it's, a, it's a two. It's you know it's it's both the good with the bad, and there's when they say let's shut down AI, you know they say we got to stop it. How? You, you can't. It's information. It's a formation. It's a st- structure, self-evolving structure through man, man's mind of, of wanting to know what's next or how to do something better and create more tools. It's innate within our DNA programming. So I don't see how you're going to just tell people you can't write programs that learn. That doesn't, you, you can't stop someone from doing that. Um, so the, these are the kinds of conversations that I hope to hear more of, and I am. Um, I just think they're occurring too late is the problem. So what about, what are your thoughts on breaking away, like a breakaway civilization where you start, you realize that kind of technology has taken over your life, so to speak, and it may not involve weaponry or it could be dual-use weaponry. But, you know, I, I don't know about you, but and I don't know how old you are, but in the 60s, I saw this thing, and it, it was on Sunday nights. It was 30 minutes. It said, oh, you know, by the 21st century, you know, the technology is going to allow you to just work four days a week. That it's going to be really light, and you're going to have all this vacation time. You're going to have all this money. <laughs> And it's it's like we're a slave to our devices. Like you just try and get away from your cell phone or you try and get away from your computer. What about, what are your thoughts on a breakaway or reducing our technology footprint, so to speak? I, so, um, so sort of becoming an Amish society Maybe not that drastic, but, you know, reducing it so that we're limiting, let's say, our screen time. Okay, well, we tried that by raising children and say you only get so much television a day. Some people were successful raising their kids that way. You have to read books. You can't just watch television. Um, But in general, I, I don't know how you can enforce it. You can't have freedom to raise the children, your children, the way you want to, and also say we have to fix society as a whole by enforcing these kind of behaviors. Um, breakaway societies, I don't know where on earth you could even do that because everything's so integrated. Uh, you know, you could buy an island, I suppose, but... Uh, um, I, I really, I don't know. Uh, do you have any ideas? Of- well, I mean, I just, I just think, like, I see where the technology is literally taking over my life. I work 12 to 20 hours a day, and I don't have time for some things that are a definite priority as me, as a person, as a human being, and that I want to do. And... So I'm thinking and strategizing for 2024, okay, how am I going to limit this? How am I going to rein it in, so to speak, so that it's not 
running me. I'm operating it as a tool when I want it, but that I'm not at its beck and call. I mean, really, they did the ding for these dumb notifications on the Pavlov theory. And you hear that ding and you and you have to go look. It's just the Pavlov, like we're trained like dogs. Um, so another topic I'm really curious on your take on it is what do you, do you feel? So I, I follow Dr. James Giordano and in several, quite a number of military conferences over the past years, maybe the last five years, he has said that technology has the ability at this point to uh, steal the soul. And that was what prompted my, at, at first I, I, I don't dismiss anything I hear, but I tuck it under my hat. So I tucked it under my hat. It's not as nice a hat as yours, but I did I tuck it up. under my hat and I went and, and then it was time and it was time last year, but I was probably starting to write on it the year before. And, um, I discovered that yes, according to when I really just cleared all the peripheral stuff away and just looked at the technology and spiritually, you know, is it in the Bible? Can I find rec reference to it in the Bible, which is my go-to book? Uh, I did find that there definitely is um, that ability that technology can steal the soul. So what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Well, I it's initially I was going to name my book Soul Stealer, but it didn't have quite the ring and I didn't want to scare people. So soul catcher, that's kind of neutral. It means it's sort of like a dream catcher. Yes, yes. It can save your soul, perhaps, or maybe collect it, you know, in some other way. So it was a little more vague. Um, but can a soul be stolen? And I have to be careful here because I'm somewhat of a public uh, figure and yes. I get a lot of people that um, get upset with me if it conflicts with their spiritual uh, alignment. But yes, I do think the soul can be stolen um, um, because every single possible potential you however you define yourself uniquely can be overridden can be altered uh and that's as close to stealing one's essence as you can get um so yeah i i it, and that 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 alone that statement should be enough for people to want to learn more about the technology and its dangers um, no, there'll be the atheists that say, well, there is no soul, so I'm not worried about it. Well, then you should be worried about your mind and your will being stolen and turned into a biological robot. Um, you know, however you want to view it, but uh, it's uh, going to have the same effect. Yeah, I agree that, it, it mean, depending on your perspective, it will impact you different, but the net result is pretty much the same. So, yeah. Um, the one encouraging thing that I found in the Bible, it's in Ezekiel, that there is a time when souls are caught, and but then they are let go. So um, is that when you return 
and you know, for me, it's the creator. I don't know what it is for anybody else, but that maybe sometime before that, or at that time when you transition, um, that your soul is set free. So yeah. I was just interested in your thoughts on it. Sure. Yeah. We can get uh, philosophical. I, I do believe that we are one. There's one source. Um, now, I may disagree with personification of that source. Yes. But just using logical deduction and science and mathematics, uh, I can guarantee that there's one large consciousness uh, that we are all part of. And I, I like to be poetic and say we're just part of God's dreams. Um, yeah. while nice. We're That's nice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it would the soul eventually be freed? Well, it has to, it has to go back to the source. Um, we came from it and we go back to it. And, um, so yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Or so, agree. you know, I know that, that you've been around the block if probably as long as I've been around the block, if, you know, give or take a few, um, and at first, there were all these zombie exercises. There were zombie exercises at the local level, uh, sector level, uh, state level, um, federal level zombie <laughs> exercises. And in your book, I was so amazed because there you talk about zombification. So can you share with our sure. audience what zombification is and yeah. how it fits with technology? Yeah, they, and so the Army had uh, projects, Zombie 1 through 4, I think they got up to, and they may have continued them. And it was how to create a uh, kind of a Manchurian candidate, but in a, a more hypnotized state. And so they were zombified uh, in the sense they're disassociated from the regular mind. And splitting personalities is something that's been studied through abuse um, is one of the, the major mechanisms by which it happens. Uh, and so a lot of people who are tortured, they're not aware of why they're being tortured. They're just saying they're evil entities. Well, there's probably a goal behind it and splitting the personalities has been, at least in the CIA, one of the many goals of abuse. Um, to try to create these various super spies or, or agents, if you will, that have no direct connection to the agency, so they're plausibly denied. Um, so zombification is uh, this hypnotic trance or state that the population can be put under. Um, and the army was using drugs to certain drugs to put them into these this, these altered states. And so that's the zombification that I was referring to. But at the same time, uh, it was a movement amongst teenagers that some biological virus was going to be released and uh, take over people that made them want to eat flesh, you know. Uh, and those were probably the exercises that you, you were watching uh, was for some kind of bioweapon that uh, changed or altered um, humans. Um, Do you think that frequency weapons such as like the something akin to Havana, but maybe using either uh, pulse DMF or ultrasound or infrared 
optical laser could produce a zombification. Oh yeah, it, 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 absolutely. It could the entire Earth, I think, is under some form of hypnosis right now. Everyone, you know, under the ionosphere. Um, how much does it affect somebody? I, you know, I think it's funny after all this research and uh, that I've done uh, that some people say they can't be hypnotized. Well. You can be, I guarantee it. it. Maybe not with a watch, you know, in an audience somewhere, but yeah. hypnosis is much deeper than that. It's brain entrainments, and you cannot stop that fundamental entrainment uh, because you are an electromagnetic system uh, and you evolved or was created within the Earth's um, systems of like the Schumann resonance, um, which is. Uh, happens to align with our main uh, alpha brainwave state of relaxation, focus, and concentration. Um, and that's not coincidental. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, I think everyone in television, I think, zombifies people. I, I you know, they, they've done MRI studies where as soon as someone sits in front of the television after they either addicted television watcher, their brain, their higher level function shut down and just the stem or the reptilian brain, they call it, uh, is functional. And it shows you you're in a hypnotized state. You're, you know, buying products, whatever the advertisements tell you, you're, you're whatever images or the news, the propaganda is saying, you're taking it in without the critical reasoner. The, the cerebral cortex to filter what is real and what isn't. And when that's taken down, like in your dream state, you believe everything that happens in your dream until you wake up and you're like, wow, that, that couldn't have happened. Um, so hypnosis is very powerful, very powerful, um, especially when you combine it with these uh, more advanced technologies. Um, one cannot separate their own thoughts from those injected. So have you ever seen uh, the story about Mike the Headless Chicken? No. <laughs> oh, you got to check this out on YouTube. It, it really, this is true. And so there's different people that did uh, maybe 20-minute segment on it. So, you know, back in the 50s, almost every house was a farm, basically. You grew your own food, and there was a chicken in the pot on Sunday, right? So this guy goes out, and he chops the head off of his chicken, but the chicken didn't die. Um, and that's because it didn't sever the major artery and it it kept his primal brain stem, which is what you were just talking about, alive. So there's this chicken. He stayed alive for two and a half years and he would go and a, a, he would he didn't have a head, but he'd be out there pecking um, <laughs> and trying to mate with the the. The other side. <laughs> he was a chicken in every way. How he kept alive is the farmer fed him with a eyedropper for water. I and I guess they like um, mushed his food, you know, in the blender or whatever. Um, and that but one day he did aspirate um, and it went into his lungs and he died. But he went, it, he was in circuses, road shows. The guy made a fortune off of this chicken. But I, I use that as an illustration when people, when I start talking brainstem and, you know, that 
like your hypnosis or that they've altered your brain and they want you to do this reactionary without your critical reasoning. I, I always put that as a link to Mike the Headless Chicken. So because it's a kind of funny and then you go, oh yeah, I get it. Because this chicken did act like a chicken for two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to be like my I'm definitely looking that up. I, I'm going to use that too. <laughs> well, yeah, these days it's nice to do a kind of a fun story that is true that they can get the picture, you know, of maybe a complex talk, you know, talking point that we're doing. So um, it's been, it's useful and everybody, I haven't had anybody complain yet. And that usually people will let you know if you did a good job and if you didn't do a good job, they were going to let you know. Um, so is there anything else about, I got to ask, I know we're kind of past the AI, but I, we went on meandered. It's like wandering the path here. Um, so we're going to go back to AI for just a second. Do you know Hugo de Garris? Hugo de Garris. He he was one of the people that back in the day, and he was over in China. Well, I guess he maybe started here, but there were some regulations that they couldn't go that far. So he went over to China and was like one of the, for lack of a better word, it's probably the wrong title. I'm sorry, Hugo, uh, founders of AI. And I went to a conference, I think in 2019, I think it was 2019, it might have been 2018, but he was talking about the war, the AI coming war, that it would be humans and they and the AI at that point would be so far superior in its intellect that we would, we, I mean, we wouldn't even be akin to ants. Um so I was just wondering if you knew who he was, because it, it was pretty riveting. I like the expression, uh, success has many fathers, uh, failure dies a lonely bastard. So AI has many fathers um, or founders. Yep. Um, and uh, he, you know, we, we've seen the movie Terminator, uh, where we're fighting the machines and these... Uh, very capable, intelligent robots. Um, and while that, it may not really go down exactly like that, one has to ask, if we're fighting this AI... You are terminated. That's nice and tangible. It has to be housed somewhere. Where is its intelligence housed? Is it an underground base at ORAD or something? Um, it has to be housed somewhere, even if it's distributed. Uh, it's still, there are physical machines that must run the computations. Um, and that's where you, the humans would attack. They, they would blot out the sun, for example. Ironically, we were trying to save the planet, but maybe we have to poison the atmosphere to block the sun so there's no power, you know, for the machines to get there. Uh, you know, I'm just coming up with scenarios with... Um, so I'm not sure what this war would look like. It would have to take over the minds of humans. Um, it's the only way I can see it. Like people walking in front of cars because they're looking at their phone, you know, kill them off that way. But we would have to be integrated with it because we won't go down without a fight. And it has, it needs computing power to run. 
Uh, now, whether it has um, its artificial machines or if it's biological, and that's my field, that uh, human brains can be uh, assumed into artificial uh, networks and uh, it's computing power utilized that way. And that's literally stealing the soul and then manipulating it, transforming it into something else. That's how I think it will go down uh, or is going down. Do you think that our DNA is like an antenna and it can do just what you described with the brain, that it can be co-opted through? Okay, not DNA per se. Um, The synaptic structures of the brain, which gives it its functionality that we learn and we develop uh, through our life experiences, that, that shapes the sense of self. Uh, temperament shares the DNA um, genetic link, but um, you can rewire the brain through intense experiences and training, and uh, that's the subjective feeling of it. Objectively, you're stimulating certain pathways and reinforcing some and letting others decay, and that's literally rewiring the brain. So you're taking over the soul, the brain structure, its potentials into some new purpose. So what type of emerging technologies do you think, given 2024 are at our doorstep or that we might see this coming year? I think the main one is the one that I look at very old technology, but it'll be new to uh, the conversation of the the collective consciousness um, is being able, artificial telepathy. So being able to speak without talking (laughs) or, you know, uh, hearing without listening to steal some lyrics from Simon and Garfunkel Um, and to be able to type with just pure thoughts to uh, along with um, uh, being able to grow artificial organs better. I mean, actually use them uh, as replacements, uh, you know, printing them out on 3D printers, basically at a hospital. Uh, um, but the real advanced stuff, which won't come out next year, is rather than letting this AI and biology grow uh, like a jungle, a weed, mm-hmm. uh, no structure around it. Mm-hmm. We have to start thinking about an intelligent structure for this higher order consciousness intelligence. And that's what I write about in my book is the, again, since I have a computer science background, I view things from that perspective. and. Uh, I'd look at it as brain networks. So how do you network brains, human brains with machines in a logical structure and and which structures work best for which functions or tasks uh, at hand? And so I get into some of the details of the networking of of minds, brain nets. Um, That I think will be talked about maybe in a couple of years. Uh, from now, but, uh, but. So would you call that? So I'm going to talk, kind of talk and see if I'm hearing what you're saying. Uh-huh. Um, 
would you say that that term would be embodiment of those network brains? Mm. I mean, uh, not I maybe mean, not necessarily a human body, right? Or, oh. But it, the structure sure. around, yeah, I whatever never, embodiment, you know, because sure. I never thought of it that way. But it's putting form uh, and function to something in an intentional way. I mean, you know, in a sense, we're creating our own God. You know, which one came first? <laughs> um, did God create man or man create his God? No, it's a vicious cycle. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're putting it to form and as far as we can engineer and in, and say this is the most logical way to put machines and humans together where we can, there is a continuity uh, of our species into the future. Uh, and it's not just them versus us and we battle and we lose and a cosmic evolutionary event just occurred, like how the dinosaurs got wiped out or something. I'm curious what you think um, around the world there are, and this is just a, a pleasant diversion, but I would love to get your take on it since we're having this wonderful conversation. So there's, there are megalithic structures all around the United or, or, or the world. They're, they're in the United States. They're in South America. They're everywhere. And if they're not structures, there can be like the Nazca lines and different things. Um, do you think that mankind at one time had advanced technology such as this and then for whatever reason disappeared, annihilated, whatever? Um, what are your thoughts or have you ever studied it? That's, uh, I keep an open mind. Uh, and I think we were very advanced in some ways, such as mathematics was kind of rediscovered. Uh, um, but I, on the other hand, we never were able to create material sciences to where they would last with any messages. We have, to, um, you know, pyramids with writing on them and, you know, caves that preserve paintings. Um, but that, that, civilization may have been advanced in many ways and then uh, not as advanced as we are in, uh, currently in, in our ways. You know, we, we can make substances harder than diamond, you know. Um, so we can make things last if we wanted to and if we had some sort of God that we are building a temple for that we wanted to share for eternity. Uh, we could do that. Well, most of the megalithic, megalith, megalithic structures, you could say it's less, um, are oriented. They can be oriented on lane lines, but they, most of them are oriented towards the constellations and the rising and the setting of the sun at the equinoxes and different things. Yeah, so it's all that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if you live out in the country, you spend a lot of time looking at the heavens and the yeah. stars. Yeah. yeah. If you're not watching TV, you can look up at the heavens, you know? 
Uh, and they, they also knew about magnetic fields because uh, we've been, you know, bathed in them. Every 100,000 years, the poles flip. And uh, you can see it in lava lines uh, of how certain crystals align uh, to, to the uh, magnetic fields of the Earth. And um, so they were quite aware. You know, we don't give them credit. We always think, oh, they made pottery maybe or something, but they... They, they had some good thinkers, um, definitely. Now, I know, I think where you were trying to go with that is, did they invent AI and AI wiped them out? And then the sun wiped AI out and we started all over again. We're going down the same path. Um, no, I don't think it, it, that happened, no. Well, my dad worked for Naval Warfare. We had, this was late 50s. And my dad had a team of archaeologists come to our house, and they only let us stay in. I was a kid. Um, so they only let – they must have gone on to classified information. But the archaeologists there were saying that they were getting things like computers and advanced technology out of ancient ruins. Yeah. Now, of course, that would all be classified, so we don't know about it. Um but so we don't know, like, how far did they really achieve? Like, maybe they did achieve some things um, mm. that we just are not privy to. Uh, they don't want us to be privy to. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, we, we there's been this big push for UFOs or UAPs, I guess they like to call them, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, what would be the harm, let's say it's real, that aliens have visited us, maybe they shaped our culture, maybe they seeded this planet, and they have evidence, and there were computers even. Why keep that secret so secret? That that I cannot answer. I mean, I can't even answer. I can sort of assume files still haven't been released, even though it's gone through two presidents which could have released them, uh, but uh, I don't know why it would change the world so drastically if we had evidence, 100% proof, that aliens, uh, some, you know, alien civilization has been here. Um, I don't think people are going to start jumping out of windows and crashing their cars or anything with that kind of knowledge. Uh, so that, that baffles me. That baffles me. The only thing that I can think of is that it's directed knowledge, that they definitely have a path for us to go down, and they don't want us to be influenced or get off track. Like, imagine a path or a highway. They don't want us to get off on the branches that that might take them out of influencing our lives. And if we had this hope that there was um, other life out there, that they had advanced technology, that that could look at, there's already people. I lived it down in Southern California and they, there were a group of UFO people. They would go up the mountain and say, here, we welcome you. Yeah. And, you know, to my knowledge, that hasn't, they didn't, it didn't, wasn't successful, but, um, that I'm sure, you know, because this was dad work for naval warfare. 
So there are there, and then I know the Smithsonian has kind of gathered up much of the evidence at many of the megalithic structures and things like giants and tucked it away so that the average person can't see it. And now, you know, uh, so I think they just have a, a direction they want us to go and they want us to be focused on that. Okay, then who? Then I guess I got to ask who who the they are. Is they the alien species that's still here, or are they Illuminati, or are they? Uh... I I can't answer that one because I was not privy. I was a kid and I was booted out. Uh, my mom could, but she is not available right now to to, to talk about that. I do say that I. I did not believe I have, you know, I did not believe, but, you know, you hear about people that say they saw, see people with the slit eyes, the pupil is slit. And to me, and of course, they're always asking me because I worked in the government. So they're convinced that everybody in the government is a reptilian. Yeah. Um, that's just the way that it is. But I had personally never seen a slit eye until last summer. And this young man who had been in the military reached out, shook my hand. I looked up to his, because, you know, I was busy meeting many people. And I looked up to his eyes and they were slits. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to make with it. I, well, I still have I, it. I have a, hmm? Well, I, here's another possibility. I, I'm a bit of a prankster. I, I like a good joke. And my first... Uh, a public speaking event, I think was uh, super soldiers and super spies in Las Vegas. And uh, I was going to go through with it, but I didn't. I put on sunglasses and those fake contacts with slit eyes in them. And after my presentation, I was going to take off my sunglasses very briefly to show those slit eyes as a prank. Um, and you can buy them for $30 on, you know, the internet, uh, the slit eye thing. So I don't know if you really saw slit eyes, if he was a government, you know, biological uh, experiment of some sort, or maybe he was pranking that day, or maybe it was a real reptilian who watched too much television. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it really was. It is very strange when you hear about something and then you encounter it for the first time. And yes, I have seen a UFO. Uh, we saw it down in San Diego. And Dad looked into it, but he couldn't tell us anything either. So what can you do? Um, he was pretty strict that way. So what can you say? Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Are there... Is there anything about technology you would like to just share with people? As far as technology, it's moving so rapidly. If you don't keep up on it, you're going to fall behind and you'll feel that you can never catch up again. Uh, so always spend a little time, uh, you know, each day to see what the newest discoveries are. Um, you don't have to be an expert in, in every field because uh, that would Nobody be... Nobody is. <laughs> Um, but also keep an open mind that anything that can be used for good can be used for evil and will be. Um, so keep the balanced perspective of what could be going on 
that uh, a lot of people may be talking about. And I'm talking about the targeted individuals. Um, they're not believed. And it's because a lot of their perception is off and the way they describe their situation. But um, it's very real It's and it's happening. And the cover-up, though, is really the most impressive part of this whole operation, that it's hidden in plain view and not even talked about in on any sort of mainstream media or political platform. It's just not happening. We're going to ignore it. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Well, you know what? I think it was a, actually a template for how the government was going to respond to all of us after 2020. Yeah. Um, because they really did at the lock. The lockdown had certain effects, both on us individually, on families, our culture, our society, our country. And then those we did get out of lockup, but the fabric of our culture and society were definitely changed. And so now it's. People are not connecting. I remember I lived in Montana and one of the favorite things to do in, is hike and I'd go with my dog and here it was, you know, we had got out of lockup and, but almost I didn't mask up, but a lot of people did. So there's people climbing mountains, double masked. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you go on a, a hiking trail, everybody's really friendly. Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. Like your dog, blah, blah, blah. Chit chat, you know, before you, you know, you take a, a breath and you just meet people. And it was, it's been that way my whole life. And then all of a sudden it was, it was like somebody taught them. It must've been a weaponry because everybody at the, the path, they would go about face and you were expected to go right through as fast as you can. And especially because I didn't have a mask on, but I couldn't believe these people were double masked hiking up a mountain to a waterfall. <laughs> I just couldn't I, believe it. I saw someone, uh, a video clip of someone wearing a mask of jet skiing all by themselves. So I'm not sure what that was for. Well, and in their cars, um, yeah. Cars. You know, but a lot of people, I didn't mask up and I went to my health food store and they called the cops and they were going to throw me in prison. And I got on the naughty list and now I, there's consequences. Now, even to this day, I have consequences like I can't get any legal help um, and it's okay. Uh, that's fine. I am paying those consequences. I better just not get myself into trouble. But there's certain things, certain things they take took away because I was not compliant. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm a trailblazer in many ways. And this is just such an honor to be able to talk with you. And I'm really looking forward to your next book. If you want to do some collaboration sometime, you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out. Uh, yeah. This is, the first interview this year for the speaking circuit. So thanks again for the opportunity. Well, best wishes to you this year. And I, and I pray that you do not have any writer's block, <laughs> that it will be a smooth trail for you. All right. Thank you oh, very thank much. You. It was very nice meeting you. All righty. So welcome back to the second hour of Cosmic Soup. 
And this is going to be played on February 7th, 2024. Mark Joseph and I, Nancy Hopkins, are pre-recording it. Uh, you should have just listened to uh, Celeste Solom and uh, Robert Duncan. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Mark because Mark's the one that goes out and finds these gems. And then uh, I'm the one that spends all the time editing it. It actually was a hundred... <laughs> A minute and 37 minutes. So I took out, well, it played it a one, uh, one, one hour and 15 minutes. So I took out uh, at least 20 minutes of it. But it was, um, they, they, were, <clears throat> they were jumping around so much. <laughs> and they'd get off on this tangent that would kind of like not go anywhere. So it was, it took me a while to get these little snippets out of there. But I think it was a cohesive... Uh, listening to, uh, I suppose it could be considered distressing information. But uh, we're going to talk you out of that one, I think. I will try, and I think Mark will too, (laughs) you know. Mark, so tell us, why did you want to do that one? Yeah, I mean, I gave you a lot of stuff to to, uh, sift through last week, and I'm glad, or two weeks ago. I'm glad that you chose the Lahaina one uh, for for last week, but let, let we'll talk about that in a little bit. But because um, <clears throat> I really like that one, and this one was really good too. Um, so uh, I'm glad you chose this one. I mean, actually, my number one we'll talk about later, but this one was in the top for sure because I'm a big fan of <clears throat> Dr. Duncan's books, his uh, Facebook. I don't know; he doesn't really update it that much, but he does post a lot of thought-provoking stuff, and he posts mostly on X. Um, <clears throat> I can read some stuff off. He hasn't posted like two weeks, but um, this interview was on the 25th of January, found on Rumble, uh, Celeste Solom's page, which is just Celeste Solom in, in one word to find her, her channel. Uh, and no, I mean, I like keeping up with his latest interviews. A lot of times I'll have to go to BitChute to find them. Um, but this is like the latest as far as like the last two, three months, because I was wanting to know when his book is going to be released. And it's great news. It's going to be out um, <clears throat> this year. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like his thought provoking stuff, because just like when you played Zach Voorhees a while ago or not too long ago, that you have this, um, I think it was a Kurzweil idea of the singularity and, and, and exponential growth as we move forward, that people aren't going to be able to keep up with it. And how do you, and, and is it even worth doing? So, um, and, and uh, Dr. Duncan is, is able to uh, apply concision and, and it's that whole thing of he's worked for government, just like, you know, the interviewer. And so it was a re- to me, it's like almost like watching an all-star basketball game, right? You have the two big heavy hitters there. And I've been waiting for this kind of thing for a while. <clears throat> uh, and that whole thing, I, I like that he, he, he um, originally wanted to call his book Soul Stealer, but that, that was too, I, I think he's being too nice. <laughs> it's too controversial. And, um, but I think, it, I mean, we've seen enough sci-fi where the idea, the, the fictional portrayal of soul stealing is, it hits people in a very primal DNA level because um, even if you didn't buy into past lives, 
there's a thing of parallel lives in your dream self where um, some part of you knows there has been some kind of encounter, whether it's from your subconscious or unconscious or from a movie you just saw and then you dream part of the movie. There, there is something. And movies are disclosure anyway, just as books are and other media. And so <clears throat> I know I kind of jump, jump it all over the place, but I had a personal experience of uh, synthetic dream telepathy. And um, you did interview somebody on a couple of your uh, shows, um, Solaris Blue Raven. Um, so mine was about, and this was, I think, common to uh, the, the world of being persuaded to take the injective biological weapon. Because um, like, for example, Dr. Caldwell, who's like a legendary doctor who's cured has different ways of curing cancer and has helped so many people. And um, <clears throat> he was talking about his security guards and they were adamant and not taking the shot. And before you know it, they had taken it like, you know, like, like complete 180. And so I did have that, that uh, message given to me, but I knew that it was um, um, synthetic as in like, this is an intrusion or like, this isn't mine from my, normal space or sphere and so <clears throat> you think they would have tried harder like some some seductive or or uh like i have a sweet tooth so maybe in a sugar form or something but it was a very direct and even cliff high mentioned something something like that too and so i mean much like the last oh, four years okay. let me yeah. just stop you there for a second because sure. that type of intrusion where it is uh very direct is because it's a uh, it's a generic signal that's being sent out to everybody within a certain range of biological frequency. See, they wouldn't be targeting you per se, but they would be setting out uh, it's psychological programming. Uh, let me give you an example because I actually in in the military I had to. Uh, uh, take courses on psychological warfare. And so you send out flyers to a population telling them we're going to bomb you or something, okay? You don't write it for specifically for each individual. <clears throat> you just give out this message. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it's more, <laughs> what's the word? I was going to say e economical, but it, it's a lot more well, so no, it's not. It's not. No, it's not so much economical. It's it's the only way that they can often do it to a large group. Okay, because everybody has a different frequency. Yeah. Well, there's a range of frequencies that's considered within the normal range. Okay, so they can target a normal range of people who will, in fact, succumb to it. But. People who are not in that range don't hear it. Yeah, but <clears throat> I heard it. I just didn't take action, and I knew how to differentiate. And and uh... well, okay, because you work in the dream state. Okay, um, the signal comes in. You feel the signal. You look at the signal. You're sleeping, and so you engage the the signal because you're you're sleeping. You're not really in a to totally coherent, rational mind as it is interacting with your, to make the dream in your mind, okay? Mm -hmm. And so 
what's happening is that you, because you are you, and you look at these things and you don't get spooked by them and blah, 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 blah. I mean, all the reasons that we can give for somebody not to, to take any action because you can feel that it's a, you know, outside of the, of what you know is normal for you. And uh, most people can't. But if you're not in a dream state, let's say you're, <clears throat> you're awake and you get the signal. You <clears throat> you could be re re reacting to it, or you could just dismiss it. Your, your, your system will dismiss it. I don't know what the signal is. I'm dismissing it. It doesn't it doesn't jive with me, I don't, you know. So a lot of people, I mean, the frequencies all around us, the same frequency, and some of us are susceptible to it because we're exactly in the range. Then there's other people who are, it, it doesn't jibe with their bioelectromagnetic field. It can't program because it's not matching it. And so it's an automatic thing. Your body just doesn't even look at it. But you looked at it. I tend to look at it. I mean, I get these signals, you know, in, in, in absolute middle of the day type of thing. And I'll get signals in my head that I'm going like, what are these people? What is this about? This isn't me. So it's not like I don't pick up on them. But I do like you do, you know. Well, that, that, that's not right. And, you know, we tend to analyze them. Where did it come from? I, I've gotten over trying to figure that out. I just, I just sort of focus on the signal. And then I kind of put a mirror up and let it bounce back at whoever's doing it to me. And then I let it go. Yeah, it's it's not like I have a shortage of, you know, because it was hot and heavy uh, post-2020. And then <clears throat> a lot of people we listen to as far as, um, like, for me, Tony Pentelaresco, uh, Mike Adams, um, Sarah G, Green Med Info. Like, right when this whole thing was beginning in early or spring 2020, we knew they were going to usher us some kind of, you know, the problem, reaction, solution, Hegelian dialectic. And... It's like, oh, but then it, it just the way, the way that it was pushed and the hypnosis and the MKUltra and whatever you want to label it as far as the psyops and it, it was it was a joke. But and, and then, you know, half of the time or more than half couldn't really believe, like, why are people falling into this? And so the, the, this is what the interview. I mean, I recommend people listen to the whole thing as opposed to I mean, because. Like every 10 minutes, there was some really good highlight, a good back and forth. Um, <clears throat> but so even though people have seen through, uh, you know, what has happened, the Milgram experiment, um, um, like seven out of 10 people, that thing is still around. Like we have, you know, it's like the uh, uh, boiling the frog slowly. That's kind of what's happening, happening as far as the exposing things to the light and people protesting with the farmers farmers in in europe and the trucker convoy here nice you know synchronicity um but it's like you go to your local grocery store they're giving away free shots and then um of course like what they're talking about we got to be mindful of what's in the air food and water and constantly being detoxing right so we have our multiple layers of uh you know in and out of of keeping keeping the our multi-dimensional self um stabilized so 
I really like the term he was using. It was around 47 minutes as far as the uh, original clip of the human mind trafficking. And so we don't have to go into the uh, targeted individual program. And they had a really good one two weeks ago on Rumble at Vax Choice. That's two, I think it's two X's or three X's uh, on Rumble channel of like um, Richard Lighthouse was up there 20 minutes. And then Adam, Dr. Anna Mihalcha and, and um, it was a really good symposium. And, um, but, <clears throat> so going back to this thing, uh, oh yeah, so it was a, it was a really interesting observation it was talking about of how some of these weapons and programs and projects are, are, uh, framed in the names of the old gods. And this is everywhere, even in media, you know, cause I, I graduated in new media and, um, uh, 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 the, the, what do you call it, electronic approach of, you know, I did some gallery work and, and, and video um, editing, but um, uh, Christopher Knowles is a good follow also on X that he's revealed over, or you could, you could even check out his YouTube and Rumble uh, podcast app interviews where this whole thing of bringing back the old gods and putting them like in statues and in, in, um, you know, the, the uh, blue cities, this is all over the place. Starbucks, that's another one. And it, it's almost like they're, they're, they're doing some kind of um, uh, occult ritual ceremony. And this is the same with like the, the, the uh, launches to the moon. You know, Richard Holland has talked about this, Mike Barra. Uh, these are rituals and ceremonies for the public. So it's a way of um, rechanneling, redirecting, harnessing life force to some kind of uh, um, magical working. And so Knowles, through his interviews and um, uh, we call it his ex account, he shows in details this, you know, for those with the eyes to see. And um, there's also that idea of um, <clears throat> just like where last week the big talk was, um, the Neuralink was was had supposedly found the first person to uh, use it on. And so there weren't that many outlets talking about that. And um, that's interesting because if you you tie in all of these things to Musk with the uh, Tesla, the Starlink, the Neuralink, this all connects and X, and you could see it as a big control grid, right? And so um, I'm grateful for a lot of the things he's done, but <clears throat> like what they're talking about in the Duncan Solom interview, it's a dual-use technology. And so... And we know that back then it was called the Department of War. Now it's Department of Defense. In the last four years, they talk about standard of care. What does care mean? Care for one's profits or care for the person? See, it's like, again, this whole dual use is everywhere. Um, and just for me listening to these, it's, it's not fear porn. It's not being fear based. It's like this, these things have been around, like the heart attack um, weapon that the CIA, CIA has used since what the 70s i didn't even know it was a in an umbrella for because we talked dr artist was talking about this in like um the heart attack gun this was the uh, um con congressional hearing of hearing of i think i saw it on bit shoot um yeah so it, it, it's fascinating these little toys the nazis <laughs> these nazis use because you know you hear these stories of what they did in the camps in world war ii and so rather than them being killed off and Hitler gone, you know, we know the secret 
alternative history of they were given more money, they were giving, they were put in deeper projects and operations on citizens in, in, in the U.S. Now, Russia had taken part of them too, but as far as, far as we know, I don't know if they were used on the citizens, but um, like with your experience, Nancy, the Russians were ahead in electronic warfare. So how much more the alphabet agencies here over the decades have used, you know, on, on um, the, the citizens here. So for me, discovering Shanghai was late, like 2019. And then you get um, Regina Martino's book that, oh, Russians have been using this for hundreds of years, right? And so then why don't we hear uh, stuff that you guys are talking about since 2014, you know, we got the 10 year anniversary of Shanghai this year. <clears throat> and, um, it kind of shows, you know, since they're, they're, the Russians in that side of the world have been interested in your book and your work um, over the years. Um, so anyway, it's um, look at my notes here. Yeah, I'll just take it back to, to you. OK, I took notes on what you were saying. <laughs> Let me look at them here. Um, Okay, interestingly enough, the Milgram experiment that you mentioned, they had it covered on the Unexplained or one of those History Channel things, you know, these new programs with Dan Aykroyd. And they oh, he went, was covering it. That's cool. Yeah, he and it was and you know, it was um it was disturbing because they yes, they what it, what it was was that they had actors actually um, that were on the other side of the wall, and these were volunteers. They were being paid some little about, amount of money for it, and they knew that changing the dial on and pushing the button would cause an electric shock for the person. That was what they thought was happening, and it was like. Just tell me something, right? They were, that was the guy on the other side was supposed to tell him something or something. And what was disturbing is that they knew that every time they turned that dial, they were giving him more of a shock. And the, the actors going, "Oh my God, don't stop, stop!" I'm screaming. And still they did it. And then when confronted by it, it felt like it was a confrontation because you know they just clipped to the to the uh, one of these people that did it. And they were saying he was answering the question, which I think was, why did you keep doing it? Because he made me do it. I wanted to stop. I was telling him I wanted to stop. But no, he made me do it. So they didn't take responsibility for it. And the other thing that came out in it, Mark, was that some of them were disturbed with it. They were upset that they were being forced to do that because they actually did think that they were being forced to do this. And some of them got off on it. And they actually showed this one guy who was laughing. He wasn't exactly laughing. It was like you could see he had a smile on his face, but just you could see he was laughing. And that was disturbing. I mean, more so than the fact that an authoritative type of person can tell you to do something and you feel like you have to, which is, you know, sick sick as can be anyway. But to think that you're getting off on this is really disturbing. So, uh, but again, a synchronicity. 
Um, the the concept of using, and I actually cut it out uh, of the tape. There was a discussion they had regarding different programs and how they're given names of the gods. Okay, you got to kind of flip this around because the names of the gods are actually frequencies. They're power frequencies. The name itself. So when they are using these names, they are bringing in a specific power. The power of, I don't even know where, what to call it, the other side, the black side. I don't know, but it, it's a, it's a, the words are, are power, but they're power from something other than what we think of as God. And so, so much of there's so much tied into that stuff that I just don't want people's mind cluttered. You know, this is my my editing of it. You don't worry about it because it gets so convoluted. But every time you think of the name, you're invoking the power, and that's why I took it out. I just didn't want anybody thinking about it, anybody doing anything. So most of the time, yes, know that this is what it is. But don't focus on those words because you're just invoking the power. Um, the Neuralink thing that Elon Musk just did, he put a microchip in somebody's brain. Okay, now, I'm not sure when that news broke, it, but I think it might have been Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Mid to early, early of the week, last week. Earlier in the week, yeah. And it was covered extensively on Fox. I mean, I watch, what is it, five or six different, oh, more than that. I watch the whole day, Fox is on. And I'm, I'm monitoring this station because it's the most popular station there is. I want to know what people are hearing. Us, us people, not the other ones, us. And... Every show did a did a segment on that particular subject. So then you give me the list, and I wanted to make sure I went out of my way to make sure that I could tell you on Friday whatever it was, but I didn't have a chance to really listen to the whole thing. It was just that it was quality. I know the people, and the subject sounded interesting, and so I told you we're going to do that. So then I go into Gutfeld's show now. It was Friday, and they had um, all this garbage about the attack of the United States on the uh, terrorist groups that had been firing at us, and and it just went on and on and on and on. And I said, I can't, I can't listen to any more of this stuff. And I went and watched some stupid movie, the Central Intelligence Agency with The Rock and uh, oh, what's his name, Kevin Hart, and. And it's just such a foolish movie, but I was, I just got into it. So I never got back. I never did the Gutfeld because I don't, I don't like to miss Gutfeld. He's a real telltale sign of what's happening out there. And, uh, but I get over there and just as I get over there, he starts saying something. And I want to play this, Mark, because remember, I didn't actually hear that they were talking about well, microchipping people and stuff, you know, but 
it, it just so it was so perfect for what I when I when I was listening to the tape of Celeste, I was like, oh my gosh, this this Gutfeld thing just is too good not to play because um, it's only three minutes, I think. It's not a far-fetched theory. I guess our best plan is to oh. unplug Joe, wait two minutes, no, no, and no, then no. plug him back. No, 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 stop, stop. Don't give the thing. Okay, we're going to play this. It's just under three minutes, and it's Gutfeld. So it was like the third segment of his uh, Friday night on uh, 2 All right, up next, will politicians live forever thanks to a brain chip endeavor? <laughs> It's alive! It's zombie politicians. <laughs> They'll have diapers, canes, and chips in their brains. So you want a bad crazy story? A recent report sponsored by the Pentagon, yes, our very Pentagon, suggests America's elderly politicians could one day harness the power of brain-computer interface devices to prolong their functional authority in government. Meaning, even as they age into their 80s and 90s, they'll just keep going like an Energizer bunny trapped inside Mitch McConnell's body. And the tech could reportedly be implanted into their brains in secret, allowing senile senators to regain their mobility and speech after years of cognitive decline. Now, it won't work on everyone. First, you have to have a brain. But it gets wilder. The report also examines the possibility of those very brain chips malfunctioning or even being hacked by foreign adversaries, which eliminates the need to bribe Hunter Biden. But the report paints a picture of our elderly leaders alternating between confused incoherence and artificially enhanced clarity, which got us to wondering, Could this already be happening? Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? Used to make beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I believe that America is big enough, strong enough, blessed enough for all of us to succeed. The group included groundbreaking Asian-Americans like Vera Wang and, and, and Joan Shingang, I'm going to pass by, Shanga Kawawa. We just have to remember who we are. We're the United States of America. Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> So maybe it's not a far-fetched theory. I guess our best plan is to unplug Joe, wait two minutes, and then plug him back in again. So what would you think of that clip? That goes along with what you've been talking about over the months of these little reveals uh, and very mainstream sources. Um, There's one I got to send you on uh, Derek Johnson's um, X where... Uh, I think it was CNN. I, I gotta find that clip and send it so you can play any of the shows of. So it's it, it's it, he was saying like um, I, I don't know if the Constitution will allow Trump to 
uh, run for president or even qualify for a third term because he's on currently he's on his second term right now. <laughs> so it was like, there it is right there. You know, like there's got to be a way to compile all of these these um, little snippets into one thing. Like, how much more do you need to know what's going on, right? Um, now, notwithstanding Derek John, you're not into his info, fine, but they're telling you to your face. I mean, well, the thing of it is, is that what happened was that the, it's, a, it's a concept that the corporation of the United States has been running the country since the end of the Civil War and particularly began to take over in very obvious ways during World War II. It was almost like World War II was the excuse for uh, creating the bureaucracy that's now referred to as the deep state. It's not the politicians or the, the leaders of the FBI or the CIA or any of the ones that are appointed or elected. Well, they're all appointed at that level. Um, because they they are replaced every four years, maybe. Okay, So they're replaced. And it's the ones underneath there that's the deep state that that are running everything. So when you're talking about the president, President Trump being still being the president, that's true. But he's the president of the republic, not the corporation. The corporation has been essentially it's it's still operating, but it's operating as it's being taken over. So that there isn't an extraordinary crash, and as far as well, if if we're we're now in the republic, in other words, if you're thinking of the White Hats, they're 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 working for a republican government, the one that still is upholding the Constitution of the United States. This farce of the Biden and everything else is just that a farce. It's a lot. They're allowing it to happen because it's the only way you're going to be able to energize the populations to get involved. This group has been around for a good 50 years. Trump was approached by the group behind it and asked to be the president. Now, it was his divine mission to be the president, but that was the way it was laid out. He just didn't one day say, maybe I'll be president of the United States. It wasn't that way. He was asked to come in. So you've got the republic that has been, was it was reinstated virtually the day that he took oath of office. And if you analyze what he said, he was taking the oath of office to the republic, not the the corporation of the United States. When Joe Biden didn't take the inauguration, it was because the republic was already established. You see, when he got up there, so much was wrong with that entire inauguration. But the one fact that seems to everybody seems to agree agree with is that he took the oath of office before 12 o'clock on whatever the date was in January 2020, 2021, whatever that date was. And it's very clearly stipulated in law that you can't take that oath of office because Donald Trump was still the president up until noon. And then he was supposed to have taken it. 
But that was one of the telltale signs this is all a farce. He took it before noon. Well, the president, President Trump was still president. Okay. That marked the end of the corporation's control in my mind. Because it was a clear indication by, let's say, astute people that have been watching this for a very long time. Oh, wait a minute. Trump is still the president. Because nobody replaced him. And that was also the initiation of the republic. The re-initiation of the republic. And if if what I'm telling you is a, a lot of hogwash, well, it could very well be. However, something came along during these last few years that was just really strange. I didn't even know about this, but there is a presidential museum in Washington, D.C. And they have a section where you have this display and it's Biden and all by himself, but it's the Biden administration. But then, right behind it, like there, there's this this huge plexiglass display, and it's got each of the presidents in their term of office, each of them, and it gets down to Donald Trump, and they have forty, forty-five. Is it that was he's forty-fifth? Oh God, I've lost track now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 45th. It has 45 and then a dash. It does not have an ending. And Joe Biden is not on that plaque. Period. And this was two years after the inauguration that somebody went there, saw this, reported it to TikTok, and Nancy Drew from, well, she's on Telegram, but Nancy Drew went down there she saw it and another guy went down there and filmed the whole thing you know he walked around with a camera and sure enough just like people had been reporting that the in the presidential museum in washington dc donald trump was still being two years into biden's term was still being uh considered the president of the united states and I just, I just a couple of days ago i wondered about that i said god i wish i I wish somebody else would go down there and check it and just see if it's still there like that. But that was two years. I mean, you'd think that somebody would have noticed it in the museum and then changed it, right? But no. There's a lot of clues, a lot of clues as to whether or not he would take a third term. Um, probably because the Republic is probably on a, under a state of emergency which means that he could in fact as an emergent as a, a response to the emergency of the cabal being taken down in the deep state i hope that made sense yeah yeah things are coming together showing that <clears throat> um another one i wanted to comment next to the milgram experiment is the the ash conformity experiment a s c h uh, reading from the Brave Browser definition here, conducted by Solomon Ash in the 50s was a series of studies designed to investigate how social pressure from a majority group could influence an individual to conform. Um, let me see what the conclusion was. 
uh, how how individuals yielded to or def defied a majority group and the effect of such influences on beliefs. <clears throat> yeah, so it, I mean, it's just like the Milgram experiment, just another version of that. Um, <clears throat> going back to the the interview here, um, one of the comments, I'm checking my notes. Let's see. Um, oh, so a really good point was, you know, the picture in my head is that uh, Indiana Jones, um, I think it was the ending where, you know, they locked away the Ark of the Covenant. I know you guys were talking about that, whether it was the real thing or not at uh, Florida. Um, that was like put on display. Um, any, anyway, um, <clears throat> that just yeah, by the Ark of the, yeah, the Ark of the yeah. Covenant is an exact replica of it or the real thing is on display at Mar-a-Lago <laughs> at Trump's residence. <laughs> and we already know that it's not just because he's there, but l let's say like you don't care about Trump and like, you know, but you have all of these people of um, high life force energy and, and power. And that's obviously a plate like a ley line, right? A dragon line there. Also, there's a lot of um, I forget what the what the symbols were in in that place, but there's specific, not a cult per se, but along those lines, um, all around um, all around there. But I forget where I was going with that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, my comment was um, just by so anyway the the Indiana Jones thing of like they took that Ark of the Covenant and and like put it in a I think it was like a crate box with all this this giant warehouse of other crate boxes and secret this or that files you know like the what's underneath the Vatican kind of thing but the uh, I forget if it was the Nazi or the US version of that um, so what what um, Duncan was commenting around 21 minutes just by keeping the technology secret you're already harming a lot of people and is in itself a kind of depopulation um, uh, uh, technique right and <clears throat> Obviously, like the last four years, that's no different from from the, the the centralized media, medicine, and even military of telling people one thing while you go b before 2020 of what the records have shown in the public records as far as how these antiparasitics are far better. Um, there was a thing I saw on um, X with um, – I got to find the episode of Jim Brewer talking to um, – veteran former marine where he was in hospice stage four cancer for taking chemo for years you know i can't imagine that kind of torture and punishment <clears throat> and then just within what weeks um of taking fenbendazole which is uh, uh like an, an animal antiparasitic or dewormer he was the, he was better in weeks so Rather than looking at things good and evil, which, I mean, that can be helpful, but it's not very, <clears throat> my thing is always utilization. So, and, and, and so how I categorize things is centralization or decentralization, right? Uh, <clears throat> and so people ha having a wider expanse of choices in things that are results oriented. And consistent, and then you go back far enough, you know, before 2020. But then you go back to there was this I don't know if it was a TikTok video, Instagram, probably TikTok, where if you look at these books before the 1900s, 
and there was a person who who liked to collect used books and found this book like in the 1850s around and talking about giants and all of these different herbs and <clears throat> just like it was like a whole different world um I think I have it saved on my my ex account, but and you can download the book for like a, as a free PDF, which is cool. And so the it's like the thing of might is right, and the victors are telling the history and the stories. So even as a kid, like knowing how much growing up Catholic and, and like all these people, you know, authority figures, parents, higher ups in church, what we're supposed these people are liars. Like I want to find out what's going on everywhere and anywhere and so <clears throat> did my whole search and um yeah like like m my big one was doing uropathy and i had these terrible allergies every year i hated hated spring so did uropathy and then very quickly like allergies didn't have to worry about them like i enjoyed spring again and so now <laughs> it gets to the point where you listen to dr edward group in his, these uh, different conferences and talks and his interviews that uropathy can reverse the effects of the injection, the COVID injection. And it's like th this information has always been public. It's free. And even people doing these stem cell therapies going to Panama or Thailand or wherever, like the most customized stem cells come from you and you expel it daily in the morning. It's most potent and can reverse aging too. And it's like, how do people not, again, we go, so we go back to the Milgram experiment, go back to the Ash experiment. It's like, it's nothing to take personal. It's just another term is like NPCs, right? Non-player character, um, normies is another term, sleepers. Um, and that's what, but that's what like, like these things like media, medicine are dual use also. So you have these movies like Dune that that has a mythology of how do people wake up and what steps they can take, do that via their subconscious. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think we're running out of time here. I think that every person who begins to wake up, the farmers who are fighting against the climate crisis bullshit to save the planet and save the food, all of these people, every time they wake up, that resonance makes other people wake up. So I don't think that they can, I don't think they could possibly turn it off now. It's like, it just, it's like a contagion. That's the true contagion, is that people are waking up and everybody's catching it. <laughs> so you want to say goodbye to the audience for this session? Yeah, thanks, Nancy. Uh, fun hanging out. Hi to people in, in, in the chat and um, see you at the next one. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate you being here. Very grateful for it. And uh, listeners, well, we hope you had a good time listening to the future <laughs> or what's here now. I think it's what's here now. Be safe. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.